0: Welcome to the Fluent English Pro Podcast, the ultimate resource for professionals looking to improve their English skills. If you have an intermediate to advanced level of English and you want to improve or experience a lack of time and practice opportunities, we're here to help. Every week, you'll have a new episode that addresses your specific English language needs providing tips and insights to help you excel in business meetings, negotiate contracts, deliver impactful presentations, or engage in casual conversations with international colleagues. Don't let the lack of time and practice hold you back. Tune in and unlock your full potential as a fluent English speaker.
1: Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Fluent English Pro Podcast. My name is David Perez, your host. And on this interview, we are going to speak about something critical for you as a professional who has to use English as a foreign or as a second language. And that is writing. Absolutely correct, that is writing. Because when we speak about learning another language, learning a foreign language, We usually talk about speaking, yes, speaking English, speaking Spanish, speaking French, but we often overlook the aspect of writing. And as a professional, your writing needs to be excellent. Why? Because one, writing is how you present yourself, how you show you are a professional, and also because that's what you're going to use to provide feedback, To create contracts, to write down business proposals, to establish communication via email, etc. etc. So, how can you improve your writing and in what aspects can you benefit from improving your writing skills in English? To answer these questions, we have an expert. Her name is Angela or Angela Alvarez, and she is an expert in mass communication media and also. She is a writer herself. She writes fiction and she has very interesting approaches related to how writing can help you personally and professionally. So, if you want to grow up, if you want to up your game as a professional, in your business, if you want to establish more trust, if you want to establish better communication with your associates, with your peers, and with your clients, you got to improve your writing, man. You definitely have to. So here is our interview with Angela Alvarez. Angela Alvarez, thank you very much for being a guest on the Fluent English Pro podcast.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Great. So, uh, Angela, with you, we are going to cover a very important topic that is writing in English. And I want to emphasize that this is very important because people usually focus only on the speaking side of the language. But as a professional, you absolutely, absolutely need to have very good writing skills.
2: That's very true.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Before we jump onto that topic, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and your background in the, in the realm of writing?
2: My name is Angela Álvarez Vélez, but I write in English as Angela Sierra. Uh, I'm a journalist, I'm a mass communications and journalist from the um, Universidad Javeriana here in Bogota. I live in Bogota uh and uh i've been a journalist i've uh you know been writing professionally my entire life i started writing creatively as a child and as a written journalist and now as a writer you know writing is my life
1: yeah so that's that's why we have you here because you are the expert and you understand not just the practical aspect of writing but also like the emotional and the personal growth aspect of writing so we are going to cover all those
2: exactly yeah
1: angela as a, as a professional who speaks English as a foreign language or as a second language, is it enough to just speak English?
2: It really isn't. And there's lots of reasons for that. Um, Of course, if you're going to be a tourist somewhere, then you you can get by with just speaking a little bit and understanding. And that's what people focus on the most. But you really need to learn how to write in order to up your game. You know, if you want to level up, if you want to be a professional and part of your job or part of your uh, professional aspirations have to do with, let's say, upper management levels. If you want to you know, level up in your profession, you definitely need to learn how to write and to read
1: well. I agree. I absolutely agree. Can you give us, and Angela, some like specific examples of what advantages writing gives professional, uh, in, particularly in a global landscape, right? Because you don't have to only interact with people locally, but also internationally. So what are, what are like some specific examples of how writing in English, writing well in English can help you up your game as a professional?
2: Well, the first thing is that you read about as well as you write. People think that those are independent things, and that's not really true. And you speak and understand about as well as you read and write. It's a whole group of things. So people that think that speaking and listening are independent from writing um, really aren't understanding just how holistic communication is. Because, it, first of all, if you only ever hear things, you might not always know how to spell them, especially in English, because English is, a, is you know, it's not as easy to spell as Spanish is phonetically. So just because you've heard a word doesn't mean you necessarily have to, that you necessarily know how to write it down. So specific examples in your life would be, for instance, if you are in a company, at some point you're gonna have to write an email. And it's going to have to be a well-crafted, well-worded email that makes sense grammatically. And that makes sense. You know, you have to make sure that your syntax is proper and that you're using proper punctuation. So, you know, just emails, emails where you have to inform somebody of something, text messages. I cannot tell you how many times I've had friends of mine just balk. At spelling and grammatical errors on text messages. We do so much through text nowadays, and you can't just communicate solely with emojis, especially if you want to be in an upper management position. So those are just two examples: emails and also just written reports. Because if you are the boss, if you are if or if you want to be a boss and you have to have people under your management, at some point you're going to have to write a report. You're going to have to answer to people higher up, so you're going to need to write a. Report report about that. And if you're living in a foreign country or if you're working with, you know, people in a foreign country, a lot of the forms are written. They're going to give you quizzes, they're going to give you evaluations, you have to write a written evaluation for your boss, for the people that work under you. Like all of these things have to be written and have to be written well. And that's just, you know, just in a casual day-to-day thing. Now, if you're actually going to have to do import things or, you know, some sort of management, it's it's just it's super important.
1: Good. So, uh, Angela, you just mentioned very important aspects of being able to improve your your opportunities as a professional if you are able to to speak English. And also, I think there is a very important aspect here, which is how you present yourself. If you have a like a terrible writing in English and you send a business proposal or an email or a report, that can be a deal breaker. Like. The yes. other person can say no because your writing looks bad. So like the same way you want to, to look professional in the way you dress, in the way you speak, in the way you, your website or your business looks, I think your writing should also reflect professionalism. I personally do not like, uh, or I do not trust, and I think the keyword here is trust, someone who doesn't have good writing when they are like, contacting me about business. So I think good writing will help you build and establish trust in potential clients. Yes. In potential clients uh, with your boss.
2: You're so right. And I love how you say it in in the sense that you want your writing to be polished because it represents you because you're not always physically someplace in person. So you need to think of your writing as your ambassador, almost as your representative, as your agent as someone acting on your behalf and you want your writing to be as polished as you are so if you're uh spending a lot of time and taking a lot of care to look professional you know to dress a certain way to uh look a certain way you know you need to have that same amount of care in your writing because your writing is going to represent you when you're not in the room
1: Mm -hmm. i absolutely agree i absolutely agree Have you had any personal experience or maybe a case of a friend or a friend of a friend that you know of uh, when writing has either help them improve their job opportunities? or
2: have examples of both. For me personally, um, I worked in radio a thousand years ago (laughs) Uh, when I had just just finished uh, college. I worked in radio, I worked in Caracol, and um, we had to interview someone who spoke only English. And I said, I can do it. I speak English. And so when we were writing, they were saying, oh, but we also need to write a script. We need to have this the person needs a script because otherwise, you know, they were very nervous. It was a piano player. And so she was lovely. Her name was Allie. She was Australian. And um, she got a little bit lost and she wanted to have just not exactly a script, but a rough idea of what we were going to talk about. And I said, I can write it. I can also write it in English. So some of the other, um, you know, reporters and newscasters that are around spoke a little bit of English, but I was the one that could write. So because I was able to write, I was able to, you know, and, and of course I looked great with my bosses because here I was recently graduated and they gave me a level. Of trust that they wouldn't have given to me otherwise, because of this opportunity, you know, in English, and because I was able to write it to because they need that for their files, and they need that for a whole bunch of things and also it happened um, when I was translating. I'm also a translator. My sister's a translator, and one of the translation work that we did was we had to translate the written uh, parts of the dialogues of several soap operas. So that was also a job that I was able to get because I can write well, because what we did ended up being the transcripts and you know the, the subtitles in English for telenovelas in Spanish. So I didn't just need to understand what they were saying. I was also needed to be able to write it down because that then turned into the subtitles that they played when they played that telenovela in other countries. So those are two examples just from my life. But I've also known people that they're like, okay, we you've done a really good job. We're very impressed with your work ethics, but we need to promote you. And in order to promote you, you need to be able, like we were saying a, a little bit ago, we need to be able to write a report. And if you can't write a report, then it's not going to help.
1: Yes, actually, I was I was speaking to a person the other day. She has to communicate with uh, some suppliers in Asia and like she has to interact with them and she has to send like quality requirements. And like that's very specific language and very critical Language, I think, because it's quality. So they, she needs to communicate with the suppliers about the quality of the materials, the requirements in, in terms of like your durability, you know, like a, what they are made of or like the sizes and the weights and all that. And, and she has to be able to do that. In English.
2: My husband also, when I met my husband, he spoke no English. We've been together now. We've been married for 16 years. We've been together over 20 years. And now he speaks enough English that his job is, is, is an international job. And he's another person that, you know, he spoke English because just living with me. Uh, I taught him English, but when he was going to change his job, uh, he needed to be able to write in English. And that was a whole different thing because he presented, he could interact with clients. He could, you know, let him loose at a party and he's great. He works in sales, but he also needed to be able to write reports and he needed to be able to have requests. And also he needed to be able to send emails. So that's one of those things where you don't really think about it. You think that speaking a language, we only say speaking and you think about the spoken word but the written part is so important not just being able to read but also being able to produce written texts that are cohesive that are coherent that are well written that have you know that have good spelling that have correct grammar and syntax it's so important
1: absolutely yes and also in uh, a work scenario in a work setting Writing also helps on on the one hand, like keep the traceability of a process, what has been discussed, what are the terms of an agreement, what is included, what is not included in an agreement, for example. And on the other hand, like, for example, to cover your back, it refers back to accountability, right? Who is responsible for what? So you can come and say, hey, was it responsible for this? We delegated this to this and this person. Here's the evidence. So it is like a global thing when it comes to interacting inside or within your own
2: exactly and even in the scenario in which you're in you know in person if you're in a meeting or sitting and you are physically present in the meeting being able to take notes in english if the meeting is in english of course is for you is a big time saver because you don't have to translate in your brain because when you're searching for that word if you're writing it down in a different language, it's going to take up, first of all, adaptive energy. You're not going to be able to pay as much attention to your surroundings and to the conversation if you're constantly in your head having to search for the perfect word. So if you can just take notes, if the meeting is occurring in English and you can take the notes directly in English, it's going to help you, not just for traceability, which I think is a huge, huge thing. And I'm so glad you mentioned it, but also just for you to be able to record what was said to be able to understand and to be able to take your own notes. Or if you're going to, you know, if you have to intervene Later, if you jot something down, if you jot an idea, you're going to be able to read it off of your notes and you're not just going to have to translate back and forth because that takes up brain space, that takes up bandwidth.
1: Yes. Yes. I, I can relate to that because with my team, like we are all native Spanish speakers, we are all based in Colombia but the work we do is mostly in English. So it's easier to just jump in and provide instructions and feedback in English than to having to translate everything. So the person has to, to translate that back into English. So even though we are like a, a, a native Spanish speaking uh, team, most of our interactions are either a, in English or sometimes in Spanish. but like the key things are are sp- expressed in English.
2: But yeah, it makes total sense. I, I I know several cases of people who, despite them all sharing another language, they prefer to communicate in English just to keep things um, easy because you do lose a lot of time and you lose a lot of attention and space just in your brain going back and forth. So, you know, this is fine. You know, this is just just, just roll with it. And to be able to write it down, and then to be able to produce like notes, for instance, if you have to, um, if you're the person taking the minutes, for instance, from a meeting, or if somebody needs to later refer to notes taken in that meeting, it's just so much simpler to just you know streamline it all in one language.
1: I agree. I agree. Now, uh, we have covered the importance of being able to have good writing, uh, good English writing skills for for you you as a professional. Mm-hmm. Now, there is an issue here, which is commercially, Angela, what people sell, what institutions sell, what uh, like these English institutes sell is mostly learn how to speak in English. So sometimes we might need like specialized institutions or individuals to help us improve our writing processes. But if we want to start by yourselves, if we want to start working on writing, what can be some good strategies or resources we can start using to make or reading like your reading skills better?
2: There are several things that you can do, um, depending on the type of language that you want to acquire. So, uh, if you have a specific need, if you're an architect and you need to learn about architecture stuff, then watch architecture documents with the. Uh, subtitles. And that way you hear it and you'll see it at the same time. So I always recommend people use subtitles in English and listen to it in English or use or closed caption so they can see it and they can hear it at the same time. Again, so that you can acquire a vocabulary and you know how it's something is pronounced as well as written. But there's really no substitution for reading because, and again, I would suggest that people read as variedly as they can, because if you're just going to read about one thing, if you're only going to read about architecture, then you're not going to be able to acquire the type of language that you need to describe feelings, for instance, or to describe something else. So I think that you should read as broadly as you can. If you're just a beginner, one of the suggestions that I always give people to read comic books or graphic novels, because you have the two um, elements you have the visual element as well as the written element. And if at Garfield, you know that by the end of this yep. four panel strip, I need to be laughing, otherwise, I didn't understand something. So it's very easy for me to go back and signal, okay, I see this, but I don't understand this word. And then I can pinpoint what it is that I'm not understanding. Rather than just reading a 5,000 word article in The Economist and then be at, at the end, like, I did not understand anything and I don't know where I got lost. So those are the ideas that I would give. Also, I would tell people, watch children's shows. If you're just beginning, watch children's shows. Watch Disney Junior, watch uh, Nickelodeon, because Children's shows tend to have less slang and they tend to speak slower and more clearly because they're appealing to children. So the language tends to be easier and the accents tend to be more neutral. Um, so that's another great, but always watch them with the subtitles in English. Don't cheat. Don't put subtitles in Spanish because then you're not doing anything. So those are easy beginner things, but there's really no substitute for just sitting with the kind of book that you'd like to read normally and read in a different language.
1: Okay. So that can be a, a very important first step. Uh, read not just technical stuff, but also like, I don't know, literature or fiction, nonfiction, different type poetry. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, And now if I want to put that reading into practice and start producing myself, are there any tips or resources you can provide like maybe to improve grammar or to improve spelling, syntax or just confidence?
2: Well, the one thing you want to do is maybe have an accountability buddy, right? So what do you do with your accountability buddy? Uh, My dog is just um, (laughs) saying hello. Sorry. I have an 80 pound lap dog. He's a rescue dog. He's, a, he's adorable. His name is Odin. Oh my God. So one of the things that you want to do is exactly what you said. Just loosen up. So there are a lot of exercises that you can do for yourself and have an accountability buddy. So if you have somebody else that's learning with you, and you can take a couple of minutes out of every day and exchange just text messages in English, just do that for 10 minutes or write each other an email Every day, at the end of the day, have somebody who's your friend and you're going to send them an email at the end of the day. What did you do today? It doesn't have to be anything fancy. It just has to be the only way out is through. Okay. The only way out is through. The only way to do it is to do it. Other things that you can do is look for create writing prompts or maybe have a journal. If if you start adopting the practice of writing something every night, for a long time, I had something called a gratitude journal. And at the end of the day, I would write three things that I was grateful for that day. And that did a lot of things, uh, you know, psychologically, there's a lot of impact in that. But also it helps you uh, water the flowers instead of watering the weeds. You know what I mean? What you pay attention to grows. So if you train your brain during the day, because you know that that moment is coming at night where you're going to have to write three lines of things that you were grateful for during the day, you train your brain to look for things that you're grateful for. And then at the end of the day, you can write them down. So this not only has a really positive impact in your overall emotional and mental health, it also helps you practice a different language. So writing prompts, you can find dozens of creative writing prompts all over the internet. You know, you type in creative writing prompts and you'll be done. I do suggest having an accountability buddy or a group that you can, you know, interact with because it can sometimes get a little bit difficult to motivate yourself. But if you have a group doing this with you or a friend doing it with you, it's like when you go with your friend to the gym, if one of you doesn't want to go, the other one will pull you. Um, This is the sort of same thing. If you have a group or if you have an accountability person, if you have an exit buddy, those of you who watched Finding New Bill, If you have an exit buddy, you're much more likely to be able to go through and pull because you want to be able to help that person as well. So that would be my tip. Get somebody that you send an email to every day at the end of the day, or have a type of journal in which every day you write a little bit. And then that's just what you do. You start. And then you start what you said, you start losing your nerves, you start loosening up Mm -hmm. and you just, acquire the habit of doing it. And then when you need to do it for a work related thing, well, then you're no longer that nervous because you've been doing it for a while.
1: Yeah. I will add two notes on that. The first is you should allow yourself to be coachable. Like you're going to make mistakes. You have to be okay with making mistakes and allowing that accountability partner to provide you with feedback, valuable feedback that is going to help you improve your writing. So like if they give you a, if, if they make corrections, like appreciate that because they are helping you improve your English. And now something that um, just came to my mind and maybe could be a whole conversation for a different podcast episode is like maybe you can use artificial intelligence as an accountability partner, uh, like text based artificial intelligence to provide feedback in terms of like spelling and syntax and grammar not so much in terms of like the overall structure of the text because for example chat gpt is really bad at structuring texts
2: Uh, that would be really cool i don't know i I suppose if you ask chat gpt to evaluate something that you wrote they would tell you if it's well written or not i'm not sure but that's another great thing um you wouldn't get the the interaction, but that's another really great idea. You definitely have to have a learner mindset. You have to go into it with an appreciation for the feedback that you're getting, because oftentimes we just focus on how feedback makes us feel. And we're not really focusing on the fact that it's difficult for the other person to offer that feedback and that we should be grateful for it. There's a whole, you know, we could have another, another, other podcast about how to Ask for and deliver feedback that is nurturing and that is useful and that is kind hearted because feedback shouldn't hurt. You shouldn't at the end of this process, you shouldn't feel bad about yourself, Um, but you definitely have to go into it with a learner mindset. You definitely have to go into it thinking, okay, I know I'm going to make mistakes, but again, the only way out is through. The only way to learn is through making mistakes. That's it. That's the only we have not come up in the entire existence of humanity with a better way to learn than to mess up.
1: You know what I'm doing right now, Angela? I'm just like, I'm taking note of that because that is an amazing idea.
2: I do it for writers because uh, a lot of times people want to hire me, uh, you know, to critique their work. And what they really want me to do is tell them that they're perfect and they're not. So you know how to give and receive feedback is super important, not just for writers but for everybody. We all need to learn, and we need to learn how to ask and who to ask, because again, the most important thing for to for a critique is that you have criteria.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and you know how to deliver that that message. Yeah, I, I've I've seen a, I've watched a couple of videos on how to provide and receive feedback in work settings. And like it's it's game changing because sometimes even you even though you have the best intentions, you end up like I don't know hitting a nerve or like affecting the other person's ego, you know. Um, so that yeah, that will be an amazing thing to cover, and I think it's crucial also for. I think
2: we all have. Yes. Sorry, I think we all have stories about being frustrated as a child by a teacher. Who told us that our drawing sucked and so we never drew again or somebody who you know was told that their poem was stupid and so they never wrote again i think we all have stories like that where where we were unfortunately stunted in our development particularly i hear that as as artists and fellow writers people who come to me that say i wanted to be a writer but you know when i was in the seventh grade my teacher told me or somebody said that my story was dumb and then they got frustrated and they never did again i think we all have plenty of stories of when feedback can go
1: horribly wrong it happens. Yes. I remember at one of my old workspaces, uh, they used to call feedback feel bad. Ouch. That's what they called it. That's not good. <laughs> because they didn't like it that much. <laughs> That's what they called it. Okay. Um, Angela, I would like to go back a little bit to to a point you mentioned earlier on on, on a conversation, which is using writing for... A little bit more than just like the technical or practical stuff you were mentioning for example keeping a gratitude journal which i mean skills are transferable even if you don't do technical writing Absolutely. doing personal writing will help your technical writing right because yeah it, it's just the exercise but 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 my question here is uh, what what are benefits of writing for personal pleasure or maybe as a therapeutical exercise um for you as an individual not just as a professional what are the how, how can you improve yourself or maybe give yourself a little bit more of like well-being by writing
2: how much time have you got because the benefits are endless okay first of all as you say skills are transferable so remember that creativity comes from synapse from connecting different brain cells between them so if you're doing an exercise where you're talking about feelings and emotions and then you're writing about something technical you can put these two things together because regardless of the industry or area of commerce that you're in you are delivering at the end of the day you're selling emotions because you're not people don't buy what you do they buy why you do it this is simon sinek's golden triangle if you've ever a golden circle if you've ever you know seen that ted talk but the reason you need to be able to appeal to people on an emotional level, we live in what I call an attention economy. Thousands of brands are fighting for your attention from the moment you wake up to the moment you fall asleep. And at some point, we're going to figure out a way to you know, broadcast uh, commercials to your dreams. I'm sure that that's the next level. And so in an attention economy, the only way to survive is to be memorable. And the only way to be memorable is to have an emotional connection. So if you're somebody who's already working on the emotional side of communication and writing, for yourself, you can be that much more attuned to the emotions of your clients and to the emotions of your bosses and to the emotions of your colleagues, because you acquire the habit of speaking. And so a lot of times people are not trained in a way that helps them vocalize and express emotion. And when you do that exercise, when you tell yourself, you know, you train yourself in the writing of the nuances of human emotion, you will be a much more eloquent and effective communicator because sometimes people just have one word. I'm mad and I'm mad about everything and everything makes me mad. But when you start to explore the nuance, okay, I'm not mad, I'm frustrated, I'm I'm disappointed, I'm disenchanted, I feel disempowered, I'm a little bit that starts getting nuanced. Like I tell my students, if you say you love your mom, you love your girlfriend and you love um el el America cali one of those three things is getting is getting shortchanged because you should not feel the same thing for those three things. But people only know one word, you know, they only know love, hate, happy and sad and angry. And that's all you have, because if those are the only words that you use to express your emotions, then those are the only emotions that you think you have. But when you learn a little bit more and in journaling, you develop these things. Okay, what am I really feeling? And you dig deep into your own psyche and you dig deep into your own emotions the benefits can not only be reflected in your relationship with others, but also in your relationship with yourself, because you are the narrator of your own life. So insofar as you're able to self-narrate uh, and, and narrate yourself into a moment and a space in which you understand yourself that can only benefit you on the long run. And that's important for emotional and mental health. And so the, the, the habit, just acquiring the habit of writing things out, you can also really reduce the stress in your relationships. If you can uh, just take care of yourself, if you can self- regulate your own emotions by writing them. You don't have to unload them on other people because that causes a lot of stress in relationships where you know you only talk to this person. Nobody wants to talk to somebody who's always in a bad mood, who's always sad, who always has bad things to say. So if you can write that down, you can feel that release. You can feel the emotional release of sharing that because when you wrap language around your emotions, you immediately feel release and then you don't have to load up your other relationships with that. So those are the benefits that just off the top of my head.
1: I remember uh, I'm reading this book by Dale Carnegie, uh, How Do We Win Friends and Influence People? And he mentions that many of the people he studied or he interviewed for his book, uh, whenever they were like, whenever those people were mad at somebody, no, no, no. <laughs> they would write a letter to that person, but they will never send it. The letter was just an exercise to to like download that, I don't know, that that bad sensation or those hard feelings. But that was it. Those letters never got sent. So I, I do agree. Writing is a way to and, and, and this is like a meditative action, right? You are able to learn about yourself and also to observe yourself from a place of uh, like from a neutral place without judgment. So I think that's a very interesting exercise.
2: I'd like to add that when you t- when you have a journal. The purpose of the journal is not to record, it's to understand you journal for clarity, not to keep a record of how many times somebody did something to you. This is not the purpose of that. But when you do have a journal, you can detect patterns in yourself and in your relationships. You're like, okay, we've been through this cycle before. And you detect big problems or big ideas or big feelings that you need to tackle or underlying causes to things when you're able to detect patterns. And that's another really great benefit of just doing this over time. It's that you learn things about yourself and you learn to detect patterns. And you're like, okay, we've been here before, I know how this goes. And you can get ahead of things because you know how this makes you feel, or how that makes you feel, or you know that this is you know some sort of repetitive pattern, and you can really, really tackle that. It's really interesting.
1: Yes, yes, yes. I totally agree. I th- I think this topic could go on and on and on for hours because there is so much you can get from writing. Let's go back a little bit to 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 the core of this conversation. So, writing is a mass do, is a mass have in your skill set uh both for your personal growth and your professional growth, you should and you have to work on your writing uh for for like all the reasons we just mentioned for mental health personal growth, being able to write a business proposal a report look professional that's 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 essential so uh if you could give one tip to to a professional that maybe didn't focus enough on their writing skills because they were just focusing on speaking or the, who have a hard time at reading and writing because for some people, it's not a fun thing to do. So what, are, what, are, what could be a tip? Okay,
2: I think that there's two kinds of people, people who love reading and people who don't love reading yet. I think one of the great problems that we have is that a lot of people associate reading with homework. And they think that they're going to be graded on how much they understood or didn't. And we have this idea that the books that we had in school were boring. And I was a teacher. I agree. (laughs) A lot of the times teachers have a curriculum and this idea of the classics were made up by somebody that has probably nothing to do with you. So if you're a person that feels like they don't enjoy reading, branch out, explore different things. Because if you didn't like reading Chancer, fine, that's boring. Read something else. There is a novel out there. There is a format out there for you. If you don't like novels, try graphic novels. Um, Graphic novels are awesome. And maybe what you like are novellas. Or maybe you like stories. Or maybe you like poetry. There is a format out there for you. Because everyone consumes stories. Our brains are designed to consume stories. And because of that, I'm sure that there is a story format out there for you. Don't be a format snob. You don't have to read 500 long, 500 page long novels. You can read little stories and those are great too. Or maybe what you like are vignettes. Or maybe what you like is um, lyrical prose. Or maybe what you like are detective novels. Or maybe what you like is true. There's something out there for you. The thing is, a lot of people got used to books being chosen for them for the purposes of academic feedback for the purpose of getting a grade. And that's where they stopped. They were like, I don't like to read because I didn't like to read in school. Give yourself a chance. To if you already like something, I guarantee that there is a book, that there is a story, that there is a poem, that there is a graphic novel out there for you. If you like comics, look at comic books. Those are great. We are not format snobs here. All forms of story are valid and all forms of written story are super helpful. So if you think that you don't like to read, maybe give it another chance. Maybe what you didn't like to read was the things that you were assigned in school. But you haven't really branched out. You haven't really gone to a big bookstore. You haven't gone online to a digital book thing and looked at all the things that there are out there because I guarantee there's something out there that
1: you're going to like. Thank you so much. That is great advice. That is great advice. Re- refocus your 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 feelings and your perspectives on on reading yes i remember hating <laughs> yes i remember hating my 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 reading assignments at school but then devouring the books at home that i had chosen myself
2: there you go and you know you and give yourself a chance and also give yourself a chance to read a bad book i mean if you find a bad book fine that's okay i mean we've all had a bad empanada We've, we've all had one that you're like, mm, we've all had a pastel de pollo that wasn't good. You just move on. You know, okay, it was one one that I didn't like, but I will find another one that's better. This was just, you know, it was a bad cup of coffee. It doesn't mean that I have to fight with coffee. Give yourself a chance to explore and give yourself a chance to figure out what you like. Because sometimes we're told what we have to, look, these are the classics. You have to read this author. You have to read this book And you're like, this is boring. Well then don't read it. It's okay, look around.
1: Absolutely. All right, Aniela, thank you so much for all your advice, for all your insights, very interesting insights on both reading and writing. And I'm sure people will like to learn more and and I'm sure uh, they can learn a lot more from you because you are very active on social media. And there you share some thoughts and perspectives on writing and on learning English as a foreign language and the cultural contrast. And I really like that when you cover those topics, the cultural and the language contrast between English and Spanish. So if people want to learn more about this, where can they find you?
2: I'm mostly active on TikTok these days. I have two TikToks. I have an account in English, which is Angela Sierra Writes, because I write in English under a pseudonym. And I have TikTok in Spanish, which is Angela alvarez I am I am to be found in TikToking, <laughs> TikTok
1: land. So for those listening, the links to both of Angela's. TikTok accounts are gonna be there in the show notes so you can go follow her and, and do something useful with your time on TikTok. It's not just for looking at cat videos or memes or like pranks. There is a very valuable information, very interesting stuff to learn on Angela's accounts. And Angela, thank you very much for taking the time today to share these uh, great tips and information with our audience.
2: Absolutely, it was a blast. Thank you so much for having me, David.
1: Thank you and goodbye.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Fluent English Pro Podcast, your ultimate resource to enhance your English skills. Subscribe to our podcast to access new episodes and take your English skills to the next level. Feel free to contact us with any questions, suggestions, or specific topics you would like us to cover. Reach out at info at fluentenglishpro.com and visit fluentenglishpro.com for more resources. Until next time.